1: Wow, I tell you what, it's 70 degrees. I hope you are enjoying your good Friday here in Arizona. Spring training, just letting up a couple of last straggler games going on. But I mean to tell you, the weather is spectacular. Looking forward to one phenomenal Easter weekend. You know, yesterday we talked a little bit about having Junior Spy Beyond, and we bounced all over the place. But today I'm so pleased to have Junior Junior. You with us here this morning?
2: Yes, I'm with you right. I'm
1: with you right now. I love it, Junior. R perennial second baseman coming up in the D-backs organization, and just kind of had a storybook career. Maybe you should share a little bit about where you came from and some of those humps and bumps you went through.
2: Uh yeah, I was I was in the first uh, Diamondback draft in 1996. Uh, it, was, it was great, you know, being drafted in the 36th round. Uh, I basically took a chance on signing with the D-backs then. You know, normally guys that's drafted that late don't sign. But I felt it was an opportunity for me to jump in with a new organization, uh, to kind of start fresh. You don't have anyone ahead of you or anything like that. So I passed up uh, on going to the University of Arkansas and wind up signing with the D-backs. and you know, it was the best decision I ever made.
1: Well, I tell you what a storybook run you had there too, ended up in the uh, All Stars to boot. And it, what was that like playing with some of those boys in the uh, in the All Star?
2: Oh, uh, it was it was great. I mean, you you were around guys that you grew up watching your whole life. Some of the best baseball players that ever played a game. Um, the Barry Bondses, Greg Madison, Maddoxes, Sammy Sosa. I, I, you know, I was fortunate to play with Luis Gonzalez, um, uh, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling. Guys like that. I mean, it, it didn't get any better than that. It was just an overwhelming experience, great experience. Uh, something I'll tre- treasure for the rest of my life. And I was just fortunate to have the opportunity to make that team. You
1: know, it's interesting. In the in the business world, we're always fraught with, you know, setbacks, hurdles, uh, politics. Uh, this guy doesn't like me. He likes that person better than this person. And as it as we look on your history within the organization at, at the D-backs, anyway. Looking pretty good, but but then all of a sudden the Milwaukee Brewers come along, right?
2: Yeah, I was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers in uh, in the off season of the 2003 off season. Um, it was great. My I, I loved I loved playing in Milwaukee. The fans were great. It was a great experience, and I'll, I'm glad uh, Doug Melvin and, and and that staff they wanted me over there. So, you know, unfortunately I had some injuries that kind of um, cut my time short with uh, Milwaukee. But, you know, uh, it was a great experience, and from there I was traded over to to the Nationals, and I ended up getting injured over there. So, you know, it was just, you know, that was three years in a row where I was injured um, from 03 to 05. You know, I had a, a string of injuries that, you know, they kind of, you know, slowed me down a little bit. But, you know, <clears> that's you know, it happens, and that's part of the game, and I look back on it. I have no regrets about it, and, you know, I don't complain about it. That's just, you know. It happens. I'm just fortunate enough to play the game and, and play the game that I love, and, and to experience the stadiums and the, the players that I played against. It, it, it just didn't get any better than that. And it, you know, everything happens so fast for me. You know, the rookie year, you win a World Series. The next year, you make the All-Star team, and then boom, you get injured and then you're traded. and it's just, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that I had that, that time and that experience. So, I, I got 14 years in total. Um, five and a half in the big leagues, and,
1: you know, it, it was awesome. Well, walk us through a little bit about the mental challenge. I mean, you're playing at the highest level, you're you're competing, uh, and all of a sudden injury, uh, you know, creeps in. How, how do you deal with that mentally?
2: Well, um, I experienced it in the minor league so, it, you know, I knew I was going to bounce back from it. Um, my first injury, I tore a ligament in my thumb um, in my first big league spring training. So I knew I was going to come back from that. You know, you never think – you always remain positive when something like that happens. You know, you think the worst. Okay, how much time are you going to miss? You know, you think, oh, is it career ending? If it's not career ending, okay, you know you're going to bounce back. So, you know, I was thinking, okay, how much time am I going to miss? You know, they told me, okay, are you going to miss 9, 11 weeks? I was like, no. You know, my mindset was like I'm going to be back in 6. So I was able to come back in 5. So that's just, you know, that's just part of your makeup, your determination, I'm taking a rehab seriously and, 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 you know, not taking anything for granted. So my mindset was I wasn't going to let this get in the way. I wasn't want to let this stop me. I wasn't going to let it uh, allow it to discourage me. So, you know, I experienced that in the minor leagues. And that same year I came back, got off to a good start, injured my handmate, broken handmate, season done. So huh. uh had to go into rehab with that and took it into the off season. got that right, you know, right around, I guess, January, didn't feel any pain anymore. I knew I was good to go. Went into that season, uh, got off to a, a great start, uh, doing well in Triple A, and I'm tweaking my ha- my hamstring. I knew it was serious when I'd done it, but, you know, I guess that the competitive, the competitive nature that's in you, you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to fight through this, fight through it. Instead of just taking the time, hey, you know what, I'm going to take my time to rehab this thing, get it back right, I kept trying to come back too soon and wind up uh missing the season behind that. So I had experience, you know, with injuries prior to that, so it never really got in the way and it never discouraged me um from getting back on the playing field.
1: So it was it was this big mental uh staying positive. I mean, were you hanging around positive people? Were you uh you know, what what were you doing to stay in that positive frame of mind?
2: Um, just uh you know, hanging out you know, you could only do so much, so I didn't watch too much baseball. Um, I just kind of regrouped, uh, uh, spent a lot of time in the gym, worked on the things that I felt I needed to work on. So, you know, when I, when I injured my uh, my hand, you know, my, my thumb and my handmate, you know, I spent a lot of time um, working on my legs, uh, did a lot of legs, leg exercises in the gym. So when I tweaked my hamstring, I did a lot of upper body uh, strength and things of that nature, just trying to build up my upper body and, and remain strong because when you lose that kind of time, you know, you you can have the tendency to you know to get weak and stuff like that if you're not doing anything. So my 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 mindset was, hey, you know, doing something is better than doing nothing. Played a lot of basketball. I just did a variety of things. My godfather was was a was very important. Uh, he he, uh, he he was he, uh, I guess you can say he played an integral uh, part in my development from there on, especially my mindset. being that he played you know I don't know over 15 years in baseball played five and a half or six years in the big league. So he helped me through it, and uh, he just talked me through it, talked me through things. We just worked, got up early in the morning. We'd get up at uh, uh 5 o'clock in the morning and go run, you know, just little things like that. We'll go run, we'll work out, and we'll go hit. So we did this every day now, during the off season when I was injured. So, you know, he helped me through it. So it never really bothered me too much. It's just you're eager to get back on the playing field. And you know you miss that kind of time and you're watching the World Series and the playoffs, and just like, man, I should be out there playing. You can't do anything about it. You can't feel sorry for yourself. So all you can do is just try to get better, and that's pretty much what I did.
1: Well I tell you what I'm hearing is who you are hanging out with, who you are listening to matters you know in the business world we're often you know discussing about hey who you hang out with matters, keeping that positive mental attitude you know when- you know things happen to you in the in the everyday workings of the business world, and if you're around people that are dragging you down, saying the market's down and this is down and that is down, you tend to get down It sounds to me as you were hit with some serious adversities you had positive people mentors in your life at the critical moments
2: oh no question man. my dad my dad was right there and I was rehabbing in Oklahoma so and I know you know I was around my dad every day and he was in my area every day he stayed on top of me made sure I was doing what I supposed to have been doing and you know my godfather Daryl Prop Brown those were the two the two men that was you know that I was surrounded around to make sure that I stayed on top of my game and stayed on top of the things that I needed to stay on top of, went made sure that, hey, went to my rehab every day. But I didn't need them to tell me that I knew that already. Hey, I wasn't going to miss my rehab. I was going to do more while I was in my rehab. So, so every opportunity that I had to come out to Arizona around uh, the first of the year, I did that um, just just to be seen. Like, hey, you know, I'm still here. I'm around watching baseball. I would go to, you know, fall league games and, do things like that but I would always come out here to get right get my mind right and uh just get back into that playing mode so I was always eager to get back on the playing field I just couldn't wait couldn't wait to get back on the playing field so I would always come out here air, early and uh you know take advantage of that of this beautiful weather that they have in in the months of January and February
1: I tell you what, it's fantastic today, and one of the things that I often, you know, I'm always amazed at, you know, it's professional athletes, and we have professional realtors, and we have professional, uh, you know, businessmen out there, but here we go, it's spring training, you have athletes out there paid millions of dollars, and yet, they're out there being taught, again, how to field, how to throw, uh, what's the mindset like for the athlete that says, look, I know how to do this, I'm being paid millions of dollars, why in the world do I have to come to spring training? Us through that thought process
2: oh man spring training is where you, where you get yourself right. I mean it doesn't matter what you're doing in all season you're not in baseball shape and what i what I mean by that you're not catching brown I mean you're catching hundreds and hundreds of ground balls every day every day you're you're taking you know hundreds of swings every day and this is before the game. you're doing this every day to get your body. Um, in condition to play 162 games. So huh. you, you need that spring training. You need that spring training to get your arm right, to get your mind right, just to get your body right and in condition to, to, to get through um, uh, a major league season, 162 games. And, you know, a lot of times you see rookies and guys in their first and second years, they always hit a wall come August and September. And that's because, you know, it's, it's you never played that many games before. So your body has to, uh, you know, you have to condition your body and your mind to play, you know, basically 200 games because you have to also be, you know, be in enough condition to get through the playoffs, September, you know, those dog days, things like that. So you always have to be, you know, in in the best condition possible to get through those, get through the season. It's it's tough. It's it's a long haul. It's a grind, and it's more so mentally. It's taxing on you mentally. You know, physically, you know, you get through it, you, you, do, you do what you can in the offseason, but it, it's the mental, um, the mental draining that takes this toll on you um, at the end of the season. That's why we need that time off at the end of the season to just rest, relax, and just, you know, regroup a little bit. It takes a lot out of you.
1: Well, speaking of end of the seasons, and, and I, uh, you know, I know transitions are difficult sometimes, but also times they're very exciting so as you look to, to not be on a squad this year, what do you have in store? What the, what's on Junior's mind?
2: Well, um, I'm transitioning, and uh, I have a t- the TV show that we're producing um, with Access Unlimited, and it's called On Second Base with Junior Spivey. I'm interviewing uh, various athletes about the, uh, about the journey, the journey from the time that you started dreaming about being a professional athlete until you get to the you know, the major leagues, minor leagues, what have you. But it's about the it's about the journey and I wanna focus on the journey because there's a lot that goes into into uh, into that body of work that they can, you know that sometimes get get unrecognized and get unnoticed, so to speak. So well, we're focused on that. It's a fun it's gonna be a fun show and uh, we're gonna make it exciting and it's a lot of information for the kids, for coaches, parents to find out about these guys and they get to see a a different side of these athletes that they normally wouldn't see, you know, uh, in uniform. They get to see them out of uniform and, you know, just, hey, they're human and, you know, they're just like everyone else and everyone has a drive and, and, you know, we set goals and we do things like that. We make sacrifices and, you know, this will be the first summer that, you know, I had off. I've I've never had a a summer off. I've always played. So this will be the first time I've, I've experienced having a summer off to spend time with my family and to experience some of those uh, family reunions that I've never had an opportunity to attend and family vacations. So I'm looking forward to it, and I feel like uh, I found my niche. And I think the, uh, one of the hard things about making that transition, we don't we don't have our niche. A lot of athletes haven't found their niche yet. So I think I, I found my niche, and I'm still searching, but for right now I believe I found my niche, and I'm passionate about it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. So, you know, it's a learning up process for me, you know, to go from playing Uh, on the baseball field to now talking in front of the camera. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens, and uh, I'm sure it's going to go well.
1: Well, I mean, anything you do, it's going to be a homer, no doubt about that. But can you share uh, some of the insights? I mean, uh, I know it hasn't aired yet, but uh, who are some of those little secret folks you've been talking with? Can you share a couple names of this?
2: Yeah, I, I interviewed the Harrison brothers, and, you know, we had a great interview. You know, they have a long uh, history of, of, of family members playing in the big leagues, and, and they've actually set a record for being the, the largest family in, in baseball, in the history of baseball. So that's going to be a pretty cool. Way. Yeah, oh, yeah, with five. You know, their, their grandfather played in the Negro Leagues. Also, he was the first to play for the uh, Chicago White Sox, the first African-American uh, baseball player to play for the White Sox, you know. And his their dad played in the big leagues, their uncle, and you have, you know, Jerry Harrison, Jr. and Scott Harrison you know, played in the big leagues. And they have their sons that, hey, they may follow them, they may not. But, you know, you know we'll see what happens in the future. But hopefully that, hopefully they can continue that legacy. So that was an exciting interview. I also interviewed um, Ryan Braun. That was an exciting interview as well. The Hebrew Hammer, you know. And he's, he's a young, exciting player. You know, they, they labeled him also the king of swag. And we had a real fun interview with that, you know, just messing with his nicknames and talking about, uh, you know, growing up in California and, going, you know, choosing the University of Miami. And, you know, that was a great interview. And also interviewed my buddy, Jack Cuss, who uh, I, I, I basically came up with in the Diamondbacks organization. I was with Jack from the time that he signed at 17 years old all the way up through the, through, through the big leagues, you know, play together in, in, in uh, uh, with the, with the big league club in September so he was called up that that September and uh he's a real good friend of mine so we had a real fun interview. Jack is doing, you know, some big things. He also that at that time when he was drafted in 97, he started the Jack Cuss Baseball Academy. Mm-hmm. And now is is the largest baseball academy on the East Coast. So I mean, that that is pretty cool, man. I I told him I, I didn't even realize he had all that going on, but you know, it's it's some fun interviews. I also have an interview coming up. With uh, Tori Hunter, Matt Kemp, um, let me think who else? Uh, Randy Gatewood, uh, co-owner of Moody Blues. We have uh, so we have have a lot in store for me uh, this upcoming season. So looking forward to it.
1: I tell you what, with with Matt Kemp and Tori looking to have a storybook season, both those both those boys look like they're going to have a great one this year.
2: Oh man, hey hey, two guys from L.A., two center fielders from LA take home the gold glove between the two of them and the silver slugger award. You know, I don't know how many times that's happened in the same uh city, you know, Anaheim or LA, Dod- or the LA Dodgers and the LA Angels. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Two two of my good friends in baseball to do that. I think it's just it's it's like almost like Tory Hunter's passing the torch to Matt Kemp and uh it's just exciting to watch, it's exciting to see. Been knowing Tory Hunter since 1998. Uh, met him in the Arizona Fall League, and we we became uh, we became pretty good friends. So, you know, I, I just think it's just it's exciting, you know, so to see those two guys do what they're doing. So it's going to be some good baseball, and I'm sure I'm going to have I'm going to have a good show this season. Real good show.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, as you work with some of these uh, yeah, businessmen uh, out and about in even in their transitions, what tidbits of advice would you give? To the business professional out there today, to be a professional
2: in their be field. A prof- in, in their field. Well, one thing is just being, uh, just believing in what you're doing, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's me. I, I believe in myself, and and that's first and foremost. You have to believe in yourself, and regardless of what you're in, what you're involved in, you got to believe in yourself. You believe, you know, all things are possible. That's what I always believe. You know, through Christ who strengthens me. So, you know, that's always been with me from the moment I was born. My dad instilled that into me. So, you know, I was just saying just believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing. And as long as you're passionate behind what you're doing, hey, nothing can stop you. So to me, that those are the you know the tools I live by, and I've always lived by those tools. And, you know, when I started playing, I believed that, you know, I could do it. I was passionate. I love the game. I love all sports. So, you know, and and I'm passionate behind what I'm doing now. So. I just think you have to believe in yourself and you have to be passionate and speak with conviction in in what you're doing so that's what i have that's that's a little bit I have so far thus far but you you're you're, well, the, you're the business man I, I take a lot from you too man you you've been successful in what you're doing you know what are the kind of things that that's, that's helped you along the way throughout your experiences? What have you done to to become successful? What are the tools that you live by?
1: Well, I tell you, Junior, I mean, that, that mindset that you referred to is absolutely critical, and we struggle in the business world to, to keep that edge, to keep that motivation, because, you know, in baseball oftentimes, or in sports, there's a limited, a finite time of focus. You're playing baseball, but you're playing four or nine innings, and then that focus is maybe released a little bit. Or in football, maybe we're playing every... Uh, you know, three seconds to to seven seconds on each play. So that that focus span is very short. When in the business world, sometimes those focus spans might take three months, you know, a business quarter or a year, or or, or we're strapping five, uh, you know, years together in those cycles. So it's it's oftentimes difficult to get individuals to understand who they hang out with matters. Uh, What they read really does matter what they listen to really does matter because it's not just a day because those days become weeks and then months and then years. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've found that by surrounding myself with like-minded individuals helps, very much like what you did uh, in your injury-prone uh, years uh, with, with your father and some other uh, great motivators there that, that said, hey, let's get up and work out. Maybe you didn't feel like it, but you got up on day one, and by day, you know, 10, this is routine for you. So right. those are some of the things that, that, that we incorporate, that, that I certainly incorporated. But why do you think, Junior, uh, some folks lose that edge? I mean, uh, even when they transition, they're coming out of baseball, let's say. Why do you think they lose that edge?
2: Well, because, it's, it's, you know, when, you, when, it's, when you're leaving the game, it's not about you anymore. You know what I mean? The focus isn't on you anymore, so it's like I think some guys are like, what, what do I have to offer, you know, other than, hey, I know I know baseball. You know, I know football. I know basketball. I have a Ph.D. in this sport, but I'm out of the game. I'm not on TV. So now it's like, you know, some people think, oh, he's just a has-been or he's this and that, and, and they're not getting that same attention anymore. They're not in the limelight anymore. So they don't feel like they have, you know, their, their value isn't as, as strong as it was when they were playing because they were on TV, people were loving them, they are watching them, they are seeing them doing their thing, and now all of a sudden, boom, you don't have that anymore. And a lot of guys, they feel like, hey, man, you know, and, you know, all of a sudden it's just like it's it's gone. You know, you feel that it's over. But the one thing that I that I want to show these guys is, that, hey, it's not over. You know, with technology and with the Internet, you can still get your stuff out there because there's a lot of information that, that you have. There's a, not, a lot of knowledge that you've gained throughout the years, um, you know, throughout your experiences that you can share, that you can help a kid, that you can help someone that's inspiring to be you. So I just think uh, that's – I think those are some of the things that, that kind of happens to guys, and they lose that edge a little bit. They just uh, – they're not in the limelight anymore. And they're not playing, so they don't feel that they you – no know, one wants to listen to them. No one is, is giving them that attention anymore but that's not
1: necessarily, necessarily right. Well, i tell you, one of the things, though, that you do, and, and we didn't touch much on this today, and, and maybe we can delve into it much deeper at, uh, on a later date, but, you know, your foundational giving and what you give back to the community and, and those around you is is just unbelievable. What, where do you believe that came from, that, this willingness to give back so much in junior? That,
2: that came from my dad. My dad, he, he was a giver. And uh, he, he's 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 always been that way. He's always he was always willing to help anyone. He'd give his shirt off his back if he if, if he needed to. And that it comes from my dad. He's just you know that's what he instilled on me. You know if I can help someone, that's what I'm going to do. I've, I've always done that. I'm involved in a, a lot of things. I can you know just a combination of things. I've always would uh you know give my time, give advice, just try to help some help people, help everyone. So, uh, just, it just comes from my dad, you know, it comes from my dad.
1: So, with that, married, beautiful children, how do you keep all this in balance? Uh, new career coming out, transitioning athletes into the business workforce, radio and TV shows uh, on the way. Uh, how are you staying balanced with all this?
0: Well,
2: I, I know, you know, in the back of my mind, it's not about me anymore. So, I'm. Everything that I'm doing from here on out is I'm doing it for my family, so you know I'd do anything for my family, you know you know, so I'm doing this for my family, and um, you know, I want to show my sons that, hey, you have to go out and go get it, you have to work for it, you have to sacrifice this is how you do it, and that that is why Daddy doing the things that he's doing, so I can provide for you you know I want to provide a better education for my kids, I want my kids to have the best things in life, I want them to be equipped with the tools. So when, when it's time for them to take care of themselves, they're well equipped and they're well aware uh, of the world, and, and they can do it and, and uh, do it for themselves. So um, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, man. It's, it's all about my kids now. I did it for me, you know. I've I've accomplished my goals, and, and I've done, you know, done what I wanted to do. I uh, uh, I, I basically was living a dream, and I'm I'm continuing to live a dream. So I want my kids to be able to do the same. I want them to be able to follow their dreams and hopefully turn their dreams into reality, whatever it is.
1: Well, I tell you, Junior, you're an inspiration for millions out there, starting with humble beginnings, working your way through the minor leagues, ultimately getting to go to the show, the big dance, if it were, playing at the highest level there, and now coming out and helping others to achieve their goals guys I tell you what it comes back down to if you call yourself a professional do you have that mindset do you have that clear mission and vision in your life right now to move forward are you around the right people to help you become successful we heard junior just say it if the wrong people are around you you're not going to get up and go running, and that means in the business world you're not going to get up and do those dollar productive activities that are necessary for you to propel your business in the direction in which it needs to go. We heard Junior talking about giving back to the community, back to his fellow teammates. What are you doing today, this week, this year, to help your fellow professionals in your industry to become better? What are you doing to give back to your industry? And a lot of these questions sometimes we struggle with, but I tell you, the Crouch Man is here to help bring talented individuals like Junior Spivey to the table and share their insights and their life lessons that they used and learned from others because, again, we're only but standing on the giant shoulders of giants that live before us. This is Crouch Man encouraging you to make it truly a great day, a great week, a great month, Ultimately, a great year. We string enough years together, guys, and we're going to have a great life. So make it happen. It's truly up to you. We'll catch you next week on Crouch Man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.
2: Thanks for having me.